we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. <laughs> me, 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 me. Okay, Hello, and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. I'm Scott Westby. And I'm Matt Waterworth. We are Full Swing Productions, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews in the film, video, and digital media industries of Alberta. So we've been talking about deadlines a lot on our podcasts, and mm. tomorrow is an important deadline because it's the last day um, today that Matt is 29. Alive. <laughs> Alive, 29. So Matt turns 30 tomorrow, which is, mm. which is young, but also stinky old. So... <laughs> So we're not pretending we're recording this on Monday? No. No. <laughs> All right. How does it feel to be almost 30, Matt? Uh, God, it's just like any other age. It's 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 exciting and scary and and uh it's a it, but it's a big milestone for sure. And it makes you it makes you kind of look back on what what have the last 10 years or so been like and what have I accomplished and what do I intend to do in the next 10 years? So I'm going to assume the answer is no, but are you as far along as you expected you'd be? Let's say when <laughs> no. you were like 18. Or, no. No. Of course not. Well, no, my 18 year old self was an idiot. Yeah. Uh, but, so was my, uh, <laughs> but still, yeah, I, I feel like there's, uh, there's more I could have done always, but you know, I'm, I'm certainly proud of things that I've accomplished as well. Great. Yeah. Well, um, I'm excited to wish you a happy birthday, Matt. And I would like to invite all of our podcast uh, listeners to do the same mm. um, by tweeting at him at Matt Waterworth on Twitter. Yeah, uh, we don't talk about that enough. We should we should share. You. What's your Twitter account? My Twitter account is at... Um, S. Westby. S. Westby, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Oh, God. Um, anyway, let's get into the news because uh, we've got a great guest on today and I want to get right into that conversation. Alrighty. So what's going on? Uh, well, uh, am I blue or pink? You're blue. Uh, Oh, I thought I was pink. Not Sorry. Pink. Okay, so I'm starting with you start. the fact that Alley was Screaming is now available on iTunes. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, this this movie, and we've had the filmmakers on the show. So if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely give it a listen. It's it's a great companion to buying the movie and kind of watching it and seeing how they accomplished it. So there was a great review about it too, a video yes, review. Yes, yes, from someone in Toronto. In, I think CBC in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they did a bit of a video review, mm-hmm, and they were mm-hmm. they were very complimentary. Very so yeah, congrats, yeah. guys on. Uh, on getting some some press attention that's Absolutely. great and a great life of a film that i think opened uh, or closed the calgary international F- film festival uh, over a year ago now i guess yeah two years ago so, so still got legs which is yeah awesome. and now it's available to be on your hard drive so scoop it up the yeah. link will be in the show notes and from people who have no financial interest whatsoever in this film definitely buy it and yeah. spend some money on it because um, it supports the industry and uh shows an appetite for this kind of stuff so mm-hmm. uh the csaf uh, had a big announcement last week uh, announcing barry thorson as their new executive director mm-hmm. barry uh who we met um sounds like a, seems like, like an awesome dude uh, he has over 20 years in professional theater film and television as an actor director writer and instructor uh, most recently he's been the manager of the dome theater and the planetarium at telus spark science center um but uh, he was kind of looking for a change of scenery and the csif uh is extremely lucky to to have him um so stop by the office and say hi to barry he's starting on february the 16th um and of course we would also like to sincerely thank bobby todd uh, on behalf Mm -hmm. of ourselves and the csif for five years um as operations director did some amazing things for the organization that that you may not even know about, but kind of behind the scenes that make it function much better. So yeah, and, um, and the only one, or she understands budgets more than I ever will. Right. Um, in her sleep, she can do a lot more than I can. Um, so she's relocated to Edmonton with her family to start a new chapter, and she will be greatly missed. Yes. 
Uh, speaking of operations persons, uh, M Media has hired their new operations coordinator, and it's Calvin Becker. Uh, Calvin has over 10 years experience managing and administrating arts organizations and has worked in theater and dance and music and has a bachelor uh, degree in business administration from the UFC and brings considerable knowledge, experience and passion for the arts to M Media. So welcome, Calvin, and thanks for uh, the, your, uh, your upcoming contributions to M Media. So a lot of uh, a lot of changes at these these organizations mm-hmm. in Calgary, but that's not all. There's uh, one more because um, AMAS, the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, is celebrating 25 years. What? Yeah, as a society, and with their anniversary, they're announcing a few changes. Uh, mm. There will no longer be an annual membership fee oh. for AMAS. Yeah, it will be free to join moving forward. This removes uh, any barriers to, uh, to for cost for yeah. artists and lessens the administrative burden on the society. Um, the Spirit of Helen Award will now be awarded every two years to align with uh, the conference. So congrats to Dave Cunningham from Fava, um, who holds the spirit until 2017 now. So you get to hang on to that a little bit longer. Dave Cunningham yeah. taught me when I was like 10 years old. No he kidding. Thinks, yeah, yeah, yeah. What he's, did he teach he's you? He's the executive director of Fava right, right. now. Um, and he taught me like filmmaking stuff and like web stuff. And his family's really cool. They're, they have the Cunningham family band. We should have him on at some point. He's great. The Cunningham family band is like the best <laughs> name I've ever Isn't heard it? of yeah. for anything ever. Um, I went to school with his daughter as well. That's why. Oh, okay. Was, yeah. <laughs> um, so as well with AMS at the direction of the board, um, AMS will be putting Prairie Tales on hiatus for 2016 right. to refocus uh, their programming goals as part of an ongoing strategic plan. So keep your eye out uh, for some big changes coming from that organization. Right. Uh, so Mike Frislev of Nomadic Pictures was in the news recently discussing the Alberta tax credit situation. Um he had some interesting points to make about how, you know, being that he's, a you know, coming from an Alberta production company, but is currently shooting a fairly large um, series in Vancouver. And why is that? And, and he goes into, of course, the, the cap, the $5 million cap that the Alberta Media Fund has on um, their funding uh options so um it's an interesting article it's definitely worth a read and and um i think that uh raising the cap is a great idea if that can be done and i think if any government's going to do it it's the one we currently have so um i'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some changes there as well and it's a good article i think for the most part we're most filmmakers in alberta are working with budgets that are so small that a five million dollar cap has never been an issue Mm -hmm. um but we should be thinking bigger Absolutely, um, yeah. And and a $100 million movie, which is you kind of work in the million dollar or you're working in the $50, $100 million range now. Mm-hmm. There's really no middle ground anymore. Yeah. Um, those movies can't happen in Alberta because of that cap. They can, but yeah, they and, won't. And, and that's why, like, I mean, Inception is a great example of a movie that probably made perfect use of it. They came and shot, I, I don't know for how long, but that, that part of that movie was fairly short. So I can't imagine it was too long. And it probably was some of that might have played into the fact that you know, we can only re- reach cap this, this cap. So, yeah. so yeah, we may have been able to, to score more days, more time on that feature um, if we had had a higher cap. Who knows? But Especially with a studio opening in Calgary, right? That's a, 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 um, infrastructure incentive for bigger shows to come up and stay longer. But if they're capping out at $5 million, now they're just going to run away to somewhere else that is offering them those tax breaks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's not a black and white issue, and it's not uh, totally obvious because it is taxpayers paying for that. So, um Ongoing discussion, anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, The winter issue of Luma Quarterly has launched. Um, There are a few great articles, but one that I want to draw attention to specifically um, with Jason Edward Lewis called The Indigenous Future Imaginary. 
Um, it's an awesome article that I really enjoyed reading. Uh, it's a great insight into the lives of indigenous filmmakers uh, and some really inspiring stuff. He has, a, he has a great little section that he talks about sci-fi and how we've kind of used up all of these tropes that were invented in the 60s and 70s mm. and we're not coming up with anything new. N- no new visions for the future with sci-fi. And yeah. um, it's just one paragraph of a ton that I found super inspiring. So uh, we got a link to that in the show notes, but definitely check them out, lumaquarterly.com. And you want to be aware that the CSIF has revised its insurance, and that is no longer being offered. Uh, as of February 3rd, um, the access to insurance that you once had as a member of the CSIF uh, is unfortunately gone. But not to worry, there is uh, some great alternatives now that weren't in place uh, when this insurance first came up. And now CSIF has the ability to, to be a little uh, less um on the hook for for insurance issues that could come up in the future. So um, CSIF equipment will remain insured for any members renting production equipment, um, and it will have a $1,000 deductible. Um, And you can check out notes in the show notes for more information on that. So in other news, we just got followed back on Twitter by a Twitter user named Cheddar Fuzz. Cheddar Fuzz? Who is Cheddar Fuzz, (laughs) and why did I bring that up, Matt? I think maybe because Cheddar Fuzz is the, is that a set name? Is that what she alluded to? Is it? Oh, it's just her online tag everywhere. But is it like Slap Chop in the, we got to, we got to keep track of all these. Um, but Cheska Pave, who is our guest uh, on this episode um, and an awesome, awesome uh, person, attitude, conversation, um, really enjoyed chatting with her. Um, and she is uh, kind of an up and coming gaffer who's done a lot of work on indie shoots and a lot of cool stuff on bigger stuff as well. Um, yeah, I had a blast talking to her. Yes, yeah, so, so without further ado, here's Cheska. Here she is. So you just got back from Brazil. I did. Like literally in the last 48 hours. Well, like two days ago. Wow, yeah. amazing. <laughs> cool. what well, yeah, what were you doing there? It was, I was just traveling. Um, and then the last week there, I was there for Carnival. Oh, wow. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> how was that? It was insane. Like you see pictures of it, but you don't realize how crazy it is until you're you're there <laughs> and bet. you like start drinking at like 9 a.m. <laughs> and you're not home till 5 a.m. Right, and then right. you start all over again. Right. And is that in Rio or? Uh, yeah, I was in Rio okay. for Carnival. Wow, sweet. And how, how many days is that festival? I think it's about five days. Okay. I left on the, I left on the last day. Right. Because it's like super expensive to be there right so. yeah. <laughs> but no it was, brazil was really nice like i spent some time in the amazon and oh my god you know, amazing slept outside it was, <laughs> sweet it was, yeah it was pretty intense <laughs> and the olympics are coming there right they're yeah they're coming in the summer okay so yeah that's exciting so too. gearing up for that that's cool i've i've somehow managed to be in in a few of the most recent olympic cities a couple years before and except with except for rio of course but um, it's always cool to watch the Olympics and see a city that you've been at, because um, then you can—I don't know—it just makes it more, it makes it feel more real, I guess. Then. Yeah, totally. No, I wish yeah. I wish I was going back for that, but I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> it's pretty expensive still. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Cool. So, tell us about uh, your journey as a filmmaker. Where Where did you start? How did you get into this business? Um, I started, I went to state and U of C and so did you um, the two plus two program? There? I did. Okay, yeah. Cool. So I graduated 2012 and then when I was in state during our second year, when you get to kind of pick your job, um, I used to do like a lot of grip stuff and then I realized that lighting was a lot more creative and fun for me. Mm-hmm. So for our 22 project, no one really wanted to be the gaffer because yeah. I think everyone was really kind of scared of like the power situation. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because we were all pretty like new. We were just like, I don't know. Well, I'm and Phil scares the bejesus out of yeah. you when it comes to oh, yeah, electricity, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'll do it. If no one else wants to, then I will. 
And it was actually pretty fun. Um, I did it with a friend of mine, Shelby Antimus, when we graduated together. And yeah, it was it was good. And then after that, um, I made some connections in IATSE 212 mm-hmm. and just kind of built my way up to being a member. And now I am a full member. And yeah, so it's just been How old good. are you? I'm, I will be 25 on Thursday. That's impressive. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so what's the journey like? I have so many questions, but the first question is, what's the journey like becoming a full member at IATSE? Yeah. How does that, I'm not familiar with the union very much, so how, how um, does that process it's, go? It's a lot less complicated than people think. And like, I've helped out a lot of people. Um, I, okay, I go on Reddit a lot, and um, I usually talk about my filmmaker life on there, and I've actually been able to help a lot of people um, online in the States and in Canada, awesome. like, learn about IATSE in the process of being a filmmaker wow. on the crew side. Um, because it's it's way more simple than people think in Alberta anyways um, you kind of sign up to be a permittee mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's a fee right now there was there wasn't when I signed up and then once you're a permittee you kind of um, get put on the call list for day calls and if they need crew members they'll call they go through the list and if a member isn't available they'll call a permittee and right. then once you're kind of on set you have to do your best to like you know work really hard and be personable and try to get in with everyone and say you know i really want to work in this industry and you know like a good attitude goes really far mm-hmm. of course so. yeah <laughs> so do you do you need to um when you're applying for permittee status what do you need to come armed with do you need the set etiquette and protocol ticket and yeah that kind of stuff? so yeah. if you went through state you don't have to worry about that because you get it through say the set etiquette and protocol but the IATSE does offer that class and then depending on which uh, department you want to go in there are some classes you need to take regardless and so, that's IATSE that offers those two yeah they okay, do. Sweet. so there's like the lighting 101 course and then the grip course and then you know for every department there are different courses I only did the lighting and grip because those were the two departments that I started with um, but then last year I did run of show on hell on wheels and set deck damn yeah oh, cool <laughs> And I didn't, I didn't need any um, like prerequisites for it. Right. I just kind of like, I was day called and every week they kept calling me back until eventually it was like, rap. <laughs> so you're day called every, every, every week? week yeah. pretty much, yeah. <laughs> does, that, does that mean you're, you're paid higher if they don't um, put you on the, the weekly rate? No, you get, I believe you get the same amount oh, okay. as like, as the same, yeah. So eventually did you get the impression that you would continue to come back or was it still like every week like i'm uh, not sure if i'm coming back or how did that go every once in a while every couple of weeks like our department head would be like oh you know we have to cut back on like whoever and i was always one of the lists because i was a permittee or i wasn't a permittee i was um a day call right but uh no it got it got busy enough on the show that me and my department head who i was working with the whole time um it was mostly us two right and then another person that came along as well cool Cool. so do you need a certain number of hours to become a a full member or days or what's the rules when you're permittee you need i believe it's two or you have to work under three department heads on three different shows oh cool yeah um and you need to have i think it's 500 plus hours um yeah, I don't know if they've changed that recently because I became a member about a year, two years ago. Okay. But it is, it's, yeah, it's not too difficult to get the hours if, if we're really busy. Yeah, if right. the work, yeah. yeah Which sure. we have been lately. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like last year was amazing and the year before and the year before. So. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this year everyone's, you know, we lost hell on wheels. Yeah. We didn't right. lose it, but it wrapped up. So, yeah. you know, everyone's kind of like a bit sad about that. There's going to be a bit of a hole, yeah, yeah, in the industry now, I think. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can fill it with 
something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we do have the studios, which are pretty good, big deal for us. And I've seen them because I've been to the new White's place. And oh, cool. Yeah, it looks. Uh, I'm not sure if they're 100 percent finished, but they're they're well on their way. So that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I it has pushed a few times. I think right now it's uh, April. That was the last month that I heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is super exciting. So again, before we get too too deep into it, I just want to know more about the two plus two program because I, I never did it. But what was the what was the UFC side like on that? It was university. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was all right. Like I didn't start with the two and two program. Right. I actually started. I applied to State University of Mount Royal, and university accepted me. Mount Royal didn't, and State waitlisted me. Mm. So I was like, all right, I might as well just go to university. Right. And so I. From university, I was in communications and media. Mm-hmm. So, and then the next year, I applied to state and I got in because I was already in university. Right. Oh, yeah, so yeah. then they kind of just did like the two and two. Right. So my first two years of university were very basic. It was like you know, basic first years of university, and then my, my last two years of university, I started state. So I only went to university for maybe like a couple of classes here and there, um, but I, I had a lot more fun at state. Cool, cool. So when you when you went when you were going to say you were also taking university classes? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah, it all depends because some people do state first, right? Yeah, and then do like the university the two years later. Right. But right. I started at university. Cool. Interesting. You must have been busy. Uh, state was pretty busy. Yeah. The university stuff was mostly just like lectures, and then you know write your papers and stuff. Right. So right. it wasn't super you know in depth group work, which is the worst. <laughs> so. Right. Unless it's unless it's insane, then yeah, it has to be then, but it's not the same yeah. thing. Yeah, no, it's just like no. please, please make sure you make this PowerPoint, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah, my my wife had uh, had some group work stuff when she was at Sate that I got to hear all the stories of, and just thanked God that I was in the film program where <laughs> it was just a lot easier. Um, so, what kind of courses did, did the university offer? Like, were there like electives you had to take, like philosophy and Greek and Roman studies, or did you um, did you focus on communication stuff? I like the first two years were kind of a mishmash. So I was taking everything from like, you know, communications 101 to like geography 101. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then in the last two years, they're mostly like you have to take these courses right. in order to graduate. Right. So. So what was that transition like <laughs> after say to getting real work, real jobs on real shows? Um, I was pretty lucky because I had worked with some union people when I was doing my practicum for SAIT. Ah. So I worked with, um, he doesn't work in the union anymore, but Josh Whitford, I yep. worked on one of his projects. Right. And through that, through him, I met um, one of the best boys that works with Marty Keo. Yeah. So I was able to work with Marty a little bit and then kind of branch out and, you know, try to get on as many shows as I can. Um, and yeah, as a, as a permittee, it wasn't too hard because we were so busy that they were constantly calling everyone. Right, right. And, and then, yeah, once I got my hours, I became a member and I was able to do more run of shows, which was really nice. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So, so was that the balance? Was the first short that because that's Joshua, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. That so, was fun. and our friend Kevin Dory was an actor in that. Oh, show. nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a small world. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I've worked with you, uh, I think only on one show. Have we worked? I don't think so. I think the first show we worked on was, um, Sir John A. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was but I, I've known of you so much before that, and, and I, I think maybe that's why you're so successful. Is you, you've got a great profile <laughs> and a great attitude. I think it's For like sure. you said, it's it's really important. Um, were you ever on Heartland though? Uh, I did some Heartland um, at the very beginning when I started out in the union. It was actually kind of funny because 
um, there was that time we were so busy that we were running out of crew mm -hmm. and the union called me and was like, oh, what are you doing for the next month? And I was like, nothing. And so they brought me on as like a lamp op, right. not as a trainee or anything. Right. So I was kind of like thrown into that right away, sure. which, you know, helped in the long run. Totally. Um, yeah. And so I haven't done a lot of Heartland after that. I did like all the other shows that kind of came through. Right, right. And uh, Interstellar. And Interstellar too. We did, we did yeah. work on Interstellar together, though. I, though I don't. That was a big show, so I don't think we ever so, really saw each other. So Matt's Interstellar story is that he saw <laughs> Nolan in a car one time. I saw him walking. Oh, you saw him walking. Uh, yeah. Oh, you saw him walking in his suit. I was, saw. I, oh, you saw I McConaughey. Ever saw him? Yeah, McConaughey. In the did car. you see any of the famous people that were here? <laughs> oh yeah, I was. I was on. I was you with were, the like, crew. Right in there. Yeah, right I was. In it, yeah. I was there at the the house that right. they built, and yeah. um, I was there for about a week. Um, and yeah, I saw like Matthew McConaughey and like I saw his kids and his wife because he yeah. brought them to set every yeah. once in a while. And then um, Michael Caine was there when I was there. Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan was there and like um, I was I was working there and my friend Alexis Moore was also a day call and we just like I remember standing there and looking at Chris <laughs> Nolan and we were both just like, oh my God, just, <laughs> just, just stay totally, calm. Yeah, yeah. fangirling. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And then John Lithgow was there. Mm -hmm. We got, we got kind of stuck in the house at one point together because it was like, I think they were shooting something outside and we were just like, oh shit, <laughs> we better just like find a corner and just hide behind something. Right, right. Um, so the question that's been on everyone's minds as they've been listening is what the hell is a gaffer? Mm -hmm. And I know that this is, a, I, get, I get asked this question all the time. Um, so if you could set the record straight for the new filmmakers uh, who are listening. Okay. So a gaffer is someone who, in my opinion, should work really closely with your director of photography. And we are kind of the people who kind of set up the lighting and almost kind of the mood of how it's supposed to feel and look while, you know, at the discretion of the DP. So we kind of work with lighting the most. And then a lot of people get that confused with like the grip side because people think we're interchangeable mm. and we're not. Mm -hmm. um, like I have key grip friends who, you know, aren't comfortable doing the lighting side and I am not comfortable doing the grip side. So in like a classic set, I would set up all of the lights and then the grips kind of come in and kind of shape it or like flag things off or kind of work with things like that, which okay. is one part of like the grip side. They have a ton of other things they do as well. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. That's that that's fairly simple. That's yeah. how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it's the onset electrician too because there's a lot of uh, balancing loads and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, although I'm not sure how, how important that is anymore that now that LEDs are kind of taking yeah. over. Are, are you still finding that there's a lot of circuits blown or... Um, it depends on the projects, like on the big union projects, um, LEDs are like, they're not too big yet. Cause we have, you know, the money to get our really big right. lights and not have to worry about that. But like on indie shoots, sometimes, sometimes the power stuff can be a problem. And I really like LEDs, but they have, you know, a lot of their own faults. Like, um, because there's so many light sources, they're really hard to flag off or really hard to make like a specific beam of light. So that's kind of their, their one downside, but they're great. Like they're lightweight, they're super super unique now you can make like flexible ones that like you can paste anywhere on any set um but yeah like they don't get hot which is a big deal <laughs> yeah they don't get hot yeah. and they're super light so you don't need four people to right. set one up yeah right so that's good yeah, for sure perfect answer thank you yeah <laughs> yeah so uh i guess i'd like to know about your first experience as a gaffer like was that what 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 show was that on what that would have been at state i think right yeah, yeah. That well like state. outside of state, outside, outside of school oh god i don't even know if i can remember the first one that i did oh according to your imdb it's one hit die one one hit yeah i did 
the Christmas special yeah. with Spencer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was my first one. It might not have been. We all know IMDb can be wrong. Yeah. Often. But uh, um, Man at Sea, A Man at Sea. Oh, th- yeah. Those are all like uh, post-state, kind of all of us who graduated right. kind of got together and yeah. did stuff. Um, but yeah, the the One Who Die Christmas episode, that's a pretty good one to start with. Because, um, yeah, it was my first time working with Spencer. And it was a pretty neat scene because it was all... Like the stuff I really lit was the interior in the tavern. And Spencer had all these really cool ideas. Like he wanted kind of each table lit, spot lit. And we Mm. had some fire effects going throughout the whole thing. And then there was the side stuff of like all the interviews that the characters do for his style. So that was really interesting to like manufacture the lighting for that. So that was was a pretty good time. I I really enjoyed that project. And I like working with Spencer. And I've been lucky enough that he's asked me to come back as his gaffer for, you know, a couple of his projects. That's cool. So that's good. For sure. Sweet. Um, so what made you want to get into film in the first place? I don't, I wasn't, I was never one of those people that was like, oh my God, I want to make movies. This is my life. It was kind of like, I always liked entertainment and, you know, that whole creative medium. And once I went to Sate, it just kind of all fit in. It was just something that I was like, you know what? Yeah, I can totally do this. Mm. And same with lighting. Like I didn't want to start off in lighting. I liked cinematography. Mm -hmm. Um, and then lighting kind of just was something that I fell into and then I excelled at because I just I worked really hard to be good at it so are you are you kind of thinking about your trajectory um are you going to try to get into cinematography more or are you are you happy gaffing do you enjoy it or kind of do you have a do you have a what's the five-year plan (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm pretty happy gaffing yeah I find it really fulfilling um and you know getting to work with a DP is always one of my favorite things to do because um, I always find through all the projects I've done in the past couple of years, there are three types of DPs I get to work with. Okay. Uh, the first type is the ones that are like really hands on. Like they're the ones who are like, I want these lights. I want them here. I want this to be like that. So I'm kind of more like the physical extension of what they want. Right. And then there's the ones who are just like, here's an example of what I want this scene to look like you know, go crazy. Just pick whatever you want. As long as it looks like this, you know, I'm going to focus on the more camera stuff. Cool. And I'm like, okay. And then there's like my favorite, which is the ones who are like, hey, let's sit down. Let's make a lighting plan. Let's talk about this. And it's more collaborative, mm. which I think is more fun. Because right. then, you know, you're really working together to try to get the scene that you want and how you want it to look in the end. Right. Um, and with indie productions, it's always a really nice treat when I get to work with a DP who's not also the camera operator, mm, yes. which is like, it's rare and it, yeah. I've done it a couple times, yeah. but every time I do it, it just, it feels a lot more um, creatively fulfilling because we're both watching the monitors. We're both like making sure that every detail um, comes out properly. Hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. I think that's a difference between like when you have no money to make something and when you, when you do have some money, mm-hmm. you can really, I, I mean, we talk a little bit about how some filmmakers will, <clears throat> they got to make their first feature film. So they'll put together $20,000 and, and make it happen. And that's awesome. That's, that's really cool. But I, I think what those kinds of productions lose is, is that fine tuning that you you have the opportunity to do when you have a, a camera operator who is yeah. not also the DOP. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm digging deep into your LinkedIn profile <laughs> oh, here. No, too. I haven't updated that in um, ages. 
But it, it's cool. There's there's an article that you've referenced here um, from Press Plus One called 10 Fierce Women in Film. Um, but unfortunately, when I click on it, um, it, the page has been destroyed and oh. is now in Japanese. But what was that all about? <laughs> that was a, that was back in my university days when I was more focused on writing. And like I initially thought I was going to go to journalism. Oh, wow. When, yeah. But then I realized I didn't really want to write for work. Like if I wanted to write, I wanted to write for pleasure. For pleasure, sure. Um, and it was just this entertainment website across Canada that I kind of stumbled upon and you know um, you could write articles or reviews about concerts or anything and um, if you told them hey there's a concert at Sade or like there's a concert at wherever um, I'd like to review it they, they would sometimes send you tickets to it so you don't have to pay for it as long as you review it so that was cool. like yeah that was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> so you wrote this article I did I wrote oh, a couple of them yeah. okay and what was the nature of it was it was it Calgary focused or was it? No, it was just cinema focused. Okay. So it was just like they need they wanted ideas for more film articles, and I yeah. was like, well, you know, I'd like to write one about like ten fierce women in, um, you know, cinema. So I thought that was a neat who was thing number to do. one. I don't remember. <laughs> that <laughs> was literally like like five years ago. Who was on the list? I don't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I maybe the bride from Kill Bill okay, might have been okay. like way up there, oh, in, like sweet. the top for top sure. Ones. Yeah, she's pretty Absolutely. fierce. Um, and now going down Google too, StoryHive, I see the Cheska profile page. Um, and you won StoryHive too. We yeah. did. Last, last February, we won the web series. So we got, oh, to, cool. we, we, yeah, we were one of the 15 of Alberta to like get our first episode made. Okay. And um, I knew about StoryHive because I was the gaffer on Sharkosaurus, mm. which was pretty fun. Spencer's project again. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to the screening and they had an advertisement that said, oh, the next round is web series. Right. And before that, uh, a friend I graduated with, Mackenzie Lawrence, who works in Toronto now, um, we got together for breakfast one day and she asked me if I wanted to kind of write a project that she had in mind because mm. she knew that, you know, I write. And she kind of, she kind of gave me the basis. She was like, I want to write a story about two friends, you know, in college or university, and then one of them gets sick. And so from there, we kind of worked together to craft this story. It ended up being about 62 pages. So I was like, why don't I, you know, go back, reformat it, trying to make it like an episode thing, like mm. six episodes, 10 minutes each sure. or whatever. And so I wrote it and, you know, we did like a table read and we had a lot of fun with it. Um, and then when I told her about the story app competition, she was like, yeah, we should totally do that. So, yeah. So we ran with that and we won, which was great. What was it called? Uh, Press Pause. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I heard about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. And it was it was a really unique experience because I also produced it. Mm -hmm. And at the time when we found out we won, uh, Mackenzie was in Toronto and Adila, who was our other producer, was in Vancouver. Oh. So it was like, it was a good challenge to yeah. kind of work across Canada to kind of get everything <laughs> right. to come together. And I, I thought it turned out great. Yeah, I thought cool, it was cool. I, it was really good. And then obviously wasn't one of the moving on ones, but are you still thinking about going for episode two somehow? Or? Um, Maybe. Yeah. Like that would be up to... Uh, Mackenzie, because she directed it. Right. Because like I wrote it, she directed. Um, and if she wants to, then you know that's great. But cool. I, I don't really have plans to. I mean, it was fun, but I mean, I would love to have money to do it. Right. So the ten sure. grand was really helpful. I bet it was yeah. really good. Sure. And and it ended up being about ten minutes long, was it? It was about yeah, I think eight minutes. Okay. So and who was in it? Uh, Mackenzie Lawrence was our lead actress okay. and director, and she's a very smart girl. So she was able to bring Stacey Harrison as her kind of acting coach on right, set, nice. which was a good move. Mm -hmm. um, and Adila Dasani was also 
on it as the other as the best friend um so that was good because they already have like a lot of chemistry as friends and um they worked really closely on other projects and they know each other so it wasn't like they were brand new right so they really kind of captured the friendship that the characters were supposed to have cool um yeah but so and this was your first endeavor on the producing side yes it was what was that like very stressful yeah it was it was stressful and it was also kind of good because um i was able to do a lot of the stuff i I had to do all the stuff in calgary right so i was the one managing the crew and kind of getting everyone together and dealing with gear and everything Mm -hmm. Which I thought was really great because I was also gaffing it. Right. So, um, you know, you get what I, you want. Yeah, and so <laughs> I was, um, I was also able to set rates for everyone, mm-hmm. which I did um, on a scale. So everyone kind of got paid for their position as opposed to everyone getting a flat rate. Right. Because I really wanted to be, because I do have that union side to me, so yeah. I wanted to make sure that everyone was getting uh, the best rate I could possibly give of them course, yeah. for yeah. the money that we had. And luckily, um, everyone who worked on it, who didn't volunteer to begin with, mm-hmm. and who was an estate student, got paid. Nice. So I was really proud. And our crew was about thirty-five people. Yeah, yeah. So I was, Damn, I was wow. really happy. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, and, and um, such a yeah, it's such a tough but rewarding thing to pull off is is paying your crew, which sounds like such a shitty thing to say. <laughs> yeah, but it's true, and I think it's, that it, yeah, I think we don't realize that coming out of out of school or when we're starting because we just assume that people are going to be as excited about our projects as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone we we did a we shot a music video at Sate for uh, one of our projects, and it was actually kind of when Matt and I became friends was on that project. And then somebody, the producer, did the budget after the fact and after we shot it and said this is how much it actually would have cost us and it was some do you remember what the I number was twenty three thousand dollars like yeah, yeah something like twenty three thousand wow. dollars and it was like yeah. damn like wow and yeah. if you pay your crew like it's so expensive yeah so nice but, good for you that's that's great yeah, yeah it was it was i was really happy with that and like i right off the bat i dedicated half the budget to just paying people mm-hmm. and like yeah. obviously you know as the writer and the director and the producer like all three of us adila mckenzie and i didn't take a, any money to mm-hmm. begin with mm-hmm. so we just thought you know what, as a producer and director and, you know, other producer, this project is what we're getting out of it. Right, right, so right. we don't need the money. Mm-hmm. The money's going to go to the people we ask to bring their talents to us. Right. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, when you have a revenue source being a, a grant in this case, that's what you got to do. You got to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about you as a writer, though? Whoa. Um, I usually write mostly just for fun. Yeah. I don't like... The web series is a lot of fun. I never thought it would get made, mm-hmm. like not in that capacity anyways. Right. Um, but I do like writing. Last year, I believe, I got, I do a lot of 48-hour stuff because mm-hmm. it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. that is fun, um, yeah. Yeah, so I did I did a horror one, the most recent one, the Film Terror Challenge that we won first place. Oh, cool. Which nice. Congrats. Really yeah, which was really fun. And then I did one for the Calgary Comic Expo. Uh-huh, yeah. Which was really oh, good. Oh, that's which right. Which one that, was it? I, I that was new to... last year, right? That they introduced yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, ours was the one. Our prop was Lego. And um, we got we got use, uh, best use of prop. So oh, that nice, was exciting. nice. How'd you use Lego? <clears throat> it was, we made like this Lego sword. Um, oh my god yeah it was it was really cool and she has to find like this missing piece and when she attaches it to the sword she becomes like the chosen one (laughs) so it was was a lot of fun um so i wrote i wrote those two and then i did press pause so it was it was good and yeah like i like doing it for the 48 Mm because it's just like you know you just kind of make something really quickly and then it's a lot of fun. Yeah, right on. So this is, I can't believe we've never talked about a 48 hour challenge on the yeah, podcast yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're point. huge fans of, of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely 
one of the best ways to practice finishing a project. Um, what would some tips be from you for people who are thinking about doing a 48 hour challenge? Most important tip that I found has been really successful is make sure that you are editing as you are shooting. Mm. So if you get your cards are full, you know, make sure you can, you have someone running to bring that to the editor right. so that you guys can start right away. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're doing anything like visual effects, you want to yeah. have that extra time. Um, so that's a big tip. Um, another tip is don't have everyone involved in the writing. <laughs> yeah. Like, like uh, the best thing is kind of like get everyone involved at the beginning to throw out ideas. Right. And then once everyone's kind of like, this is a good idea, we might have something. Break off right. with like, um, like the writer, maybe an actor, the director, and then like the DOP or mm -hmm. like your special effects guy if you have that person. Um, so that always helps because then everyone gets involved and you're just sitting there for ten hours being like, I don't know, <laughs> I have nothing maybe to we do. do this. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Um, a lot harder to make those decisions when there's a lot of definitely voices, a lot yeah. of voices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, how big are your crews normally on a, on these forty eight hour challenges? Not too big. Yeah. I think the the one for the horror one was like two actresses, four actors, um, DP, director, myself, key grip, maybe like seven people. Because you don't want you don't want to be you know having these huge setups yeah, totally. unless it's like like a one shot thing. Right. Yeah, right. So you want to be able to like set something up quickly or like have someone leave and go set up the next scene yeah. so that you get there quickly. For sure. But, For sure. Mm -hmm. So speaking of one shot things, um, I'm seeing that you worked on a, a another story hive project recently called a red pill. Yeah. So how was that? That was that was really fun. Cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was one shot, um, kind of like this huge huge dolly like going in um and then going out i believe and yeah it was good because you know you take like maybe two hours to set up the whole thing and then you shoot for however many takes until yeah. the director and the dop are happy with it yeah i haven't seen the red pill yet and i don't think anybody has but i i'm looking for very forward to it. that's mm -hmm. uh, that's an exciting one and dan of course is a friend actually dan and kara were on the show talking about it when they were doing their story hive thing oh, yeah. so it comes out soon i think yeah, end of I the month end of the month everybody's yeah. will be viewable and votable yeah so vote. certainly mm -hmm. yes indeed what are they voting on this time i don't even know I how awesome it is this <laughs> uh this year for the second round of voting it's not for more money or anything like the last ones yeah. um i think the winning team gets two tickets to the banff media festival oh cool that's what kara was telling me i met her last Great. night at the mall nice uh, by chance and yeah that was the prize cool. cool that's valuable that's an expensive ticket mm -hmm. for sure so, uh, but you as a writer, what are, what are your ambitions that way uh, further? Um, I'd like to like do, I don't know, like I don't really want to put effort into writing unless I know I'm going to do it for like like the long haul. Of, right. Like I'm going to work for a grant from like AFA right. or like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So like I have scripts that I write just for fun whenever I feel inspired. But um, I haven't had anything lately that I'm like, oh man, I really want to apply for this grant and do this. Because, right. you know, I would, I would rather focus on gaffing and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. Cool. So when you say something that inspires me, is there any, do you find that you're inspired more by something in particular or? Um, it kind of depends. Like I like, um, I like writing stories about like villains. I think they're okay. a lot more fun than totally. like yeah, the yeah. classic hero story. So I always like, like have characters who you know, you think they're like good guys, but then once you get to the end of the story, you realize, oh no, I've been rooting for like the bad person. <laughs> so kind of like a kind of like a bait and switch oh, idea. Sorry. I really like writing those. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of been my main thing for a couple months that I've been dabbling with in my head. Cool, cool. nice. What do you watch? What are you watching right now? 
what am I watching? Well, I haven't watched TV in three weeks. Right. Because when I was traveling, <laughs> Before I, the had, trip. Right. <clears throat> I had nothing. Um, uh, I've just been trying to catch up on all the Oscar. Oh, Oscar yeah. Oscar movies. Yeah. Me too. So what I are watched, you missing still? Oh, probably a bunch. Oh. A whole bunch. Like the last movie I saw was Hateful Eight before I oh, left nice. for, mm-hmm. for my trip. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's Tarantino, so you can't not enjoy it. Um, Do you feel like it needed to be in glorious 70 millimeter, though? (laughs) I wish I watched it in that medium. I just watched it at, like, my local theater. Right. But, I mean, like, with those, like, shots, like, the landscape and everything, like, those were pretty beautiful. They were, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but apparently somebody asked Tarantino that, and, and his answer was... All you need to do is see Sam Jackson's eyes in 70 millimeter that close up. Why I did that, <laughs> which is a good point. But yeah, most of that movie was in a little room. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well. It was, uh, I mean, it was definitely, he can do anything he wants now, right? There it's were true. a lot of oh, yeah. rules broken, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen, all I'm missing are room and Brooklyn. Oh, I saw room, I saw room on the airplane. Really? How was it good? It was, Yeah. It was interesting. Because it's a Canadian co-pro. It right? is, yeah. yeah. And I noticed that when I was clicking the Canadian option. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's cool. And so is Brooklyn, I think, actually. Brooklyn is, yeah. yeah. I've seen Brooklyn. Right. It's good. I'm missing Room still and, oh, damn, what was the other one? Oh, uh, Bridge of Spies. Mm. Bridge of Spies. That was also mm-hmm. on the airplane. Oh, you I saw it. Wow, I you really can't. <laughs> I watched, oh, The Martian. I watched The Martian, the Martian. on the airplane. Yes. Yeah. What a great yes. movie. Yeah, it was, yeah. Did you I, like it? I read the book on the beach. Oh. And so um, yeah. the book was... I enjoyed the book a lot more because the book is written like inner dialogue right. first person. So right. like there's as, a lot more that you can get out of that. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. as charming as Matt Damon is, you, he wasn't as charming as his book counterpart. Unfortunately. Right. <laughs> right. How can Matt Damon not be as charming <laughs> as anybody? Cause you can get into this character's head in the book. You I can, feel like yeah. I can get into Matt yeah, Damon's I mean, head. To a degree for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Mars. Um, so what's next for you? What are you What are you working on? Where Where are you headed now after the vacation? Or is it like kind of scary? You're not sure what's next. It's always scary yeah. come winter. That's like part every, of the yeah. part of the problem with this business for sure. Yeah, every winter I kind of get into this funk where I'm just like I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> right. I need to go back and like listen to my mother and be a doctor right, or right, a right. lawyer. Um, no, winter's always a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think we're all hoping that we get a lot more shows union wide, mm-hmm. union side, so that. Mm-hmm we you know just get back out there keep working keep making productions like interstellar and revenant and you know just keep showing the world that alberta isn't just you know westerns Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) but um yeah so you know i'm just waiting for those union days to pick up and do that and um you know sometimes i get indie calls to come light stuff so you know but now it's i feel like it's pretty quiet for a lot of people yeah Yeah, on the union side for sure it is i mean Mm -hmm. we do the news every week and one of our sources is the dgc's what's what's filming yeah and it's it's just went on a herb lately yeah, for it's the last the only, yeah it's the la- and today's the last day yeah so um yeah um, we'll, we'll have nothing shooting for the first time and maybe there there is something is there coming something there is something coming um okay. and it's in the news i can't find it here just one second night, night pond just wrapped up night yeah, pond wrapped up that's yeah. right and uh yeah, we've all we've always had something. Heartland and and Fargo over mm-hmm. like didn't overlap very much. Helen Wheels is going. On. There, there's this feature called the Salutrian. Oh yes, which is which it. is starting April first. Okay, oh. um, it's a union show, so check it out. That's right. exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's I, I think it's just an Alberta unit. Um, it's like an yeah, ice age. Anyway, we'll talk about it in the news. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, it's it's it is a bit slow right now. Cool. I think. What about mm-hmm. directing? It seems like that's the only thing you haven't done, and DOPing, I guess. Too. 
Um, yeah, I did direct a short. Did you? Um, yeah, a little what, last year. It's doing a festival run right now, so oh, I'm wow. still kind of like entering it. What's and it everything. called? Eggs. Eggs. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was like after I did the press pause. Um, after writing it and like gaffing it and producing it, I was like, oh, I wonder what it'd be like to like direct something. Yeah. yeah so yeah. then I did it with a couple of friends of mine. So, like Alex Mitchell was on it. Nice. And, um, Alexis Moore and Kaz Nakashima. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, we kind of made it. It's like six minutes, five minutes. Um, and yeah, it was neat because, you know, being a crew member, you're always taught to just kind of stay away from actors. Mm. You know, don't get in their way. <laughs> right. So it was interesting for me to kind of like step aside from the crew and kind of focus with actors and kind of learning about the script. And <clears throat> the actors I had were really into, even though the script was really short, they were really into getting to know the characters and kind of do all that kind of stuff. So that was that was neat. I'm not sure I'll jump into directing right away because I do like focusing more on the technical side of filmmaking. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, so that was that was a really interesting little um, little exercise. swim. You'll have to tell us when it's done the like the <clears throat> festival run and you're putting it online and we'll we'll, we'll share, share it for sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I like to go into some some technical mm-hmm. stuff um, for people who are looking to get into whatever uh, the, the expertise of our guest is. So if someone's trying to get into gaffing, what would you recommend for them? Um, for union side, the obvious answer would be to kind of sign up for the, you know, electrical uh, and grip side. Okay. Because then, you know, <clears throat> um, then you can just get on set and then do some day calls, lamp hopping and kind of learning and then hopefully get a trainee position. Mm-hmm. And then, um, if you just kind of want to get into it like indie side, just call me. Because <laughs> I usually, like if I'm gaffing a project, um, <clears throat> I always kind of get, if they have budget or like if they can, I'll bring someone I know on to help me out because doing it by myself is a lot of work. Sure. Um, and usually if I can, I'll bring on like someone I know really well. And then, you know, I'll try to see if any state students want to come as well mm. um, who want to be on set or like not even, you know, specialize in lighting, but just kind of want to get on set. Mm. So that's what I usually like to do. So I like to keep in touch with like all of the state students um, who are like first year or second year now. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even I offer them help. So that's what I try to do. Um, It's it's funny, too, because we often um, it's so easy for like a writer or a director that we can give the advice of just start doing it. Um, And we were chatting with um, Olaf about visual effects and he's like, just go on YouTube and learn how to do it and, and just start doing it. But I think it's different when you're gaffing because you can't you can't practice lighting in your house this like true. by yourself yeah. and your computer <laughs> yeah um so are there any other resources that that people like how is youtube for learning how to do it do you know or is it uh, even... i've never i've never learned lighting anywhere else but on set on set so yeah. i think that's like the best the way, way to do it yeah sure. so like you know get in touch with all these guys or gals that you know work on the tech side and just be like can i just come and like just follow you Watch around you. and yeah. see how it works and like I would hope most people would be like, yeah, no problem. Like, just don't break yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you get that trainee lamp opera, trainee camera assistant, or trainee? I don't know. I guess there's not a trainee gaffer, but. No, <laughs> you get like trainee, you know, uh, like lamp op. Right. So I did my trainee position on Hell on Wheels uh-huh. um, back a couple years ago with Dave Vernery. Um, and yeah, I was working at White's at the time. Okay. Um, and. Uh, Hell on Wheels was uh, gearing up and everything and Dave just kind of asked me hey do you want to come be our trainee for like the first block and I was like yeah sure so that's usually how it happens like someone like the best boy or the gaffer will um, 
offer to take you on. Or, right. You know, I've recommended other people to other gaffers being like, hey, this person's really good. She just graduated. Say, you know, she's sure. a good trainee. Cool. And that's like kind of word of mouth and sure. just like getting on set as a day call and being like, I'm just a permittee, but I really want to like get my hours in right. to be a member. Can I yeah. be your trainee for like the next block or something like that? Right. Mm -hmm. um, now I know that you're not supposed to pick favorites and I know the answer is it depends <laughs> but what is your favorite light uh. oh that's a good question I really like I like the new um, I actually really like a lot of the Kino stuff yeah because I think that they're they just make everything look really pretty um, so I like working with those and like Aerie obviously like you know the, the workhorse of our lighting package are always like the 300s and the 650s and all those so and those are always fun you can always have so much fun shaping it with your yeah. key grip or whatnot right. and all that so <laughs> nice right on. what is light <laughs> <laughs> i want to get well we're really going back to basics here <laughs> um yeah no this has been great uh any other tips or or or, or tools that that up and coming people could use or make use of um just get on set that's like yeah. the best tip so if it's if it's my first day on set and i'm going to be mm -hmm. a lamp op mm -hmm. what must i not forget to bring mm -hmm. with me make sure you have your electrical tester Ooh. just so you can check outlets and stuff so okay. that if you're just like this light isn't turning on you're not just like i don't standing know standing there right okay. yeah cool um your multi-tool mm -hmm. which is super important um clothes pegs are always handy just to have just in case and gaff tape What's, and what's gaff tape? Is that a special tape that you must get? Like, where can you get that? Uh, White sells them. Okay. Like, they're big rolls. Or sometimes yeah. if you go on a show and you're a trainee, sometimes the, you'll get them from um, the team. Um, but yeah, that's your gloves. You gloves. really need gloves. Yeah, I lose so good. many. Like, every best boy I have, one of their main jobs is to just keep an eye on my gloves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what kind of gloves are best? Um, ones that won't burn when okay. you touch all of our very hot things. Yeah, right. um, so like, again, Whites has all that kind of stuff. Sure. If you ever just like go into Whites and talk to Chris there, she's the kind of the girl that handles all the expendables and like things you can purchase. So, They'll set you yeah. up. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Cool. Great. That's a good question. All right. Well, where, what, what should we share about? What's your Twitter account? What's your, where should people go to find more about you? Because um, you're everywhere. Like you're on Pinterest, <laughs> you're on Twitter. You're, Are you looking at my yeah, Pinterest? I, well, I mean, you've got such a unique name that it's like it's every, every one of your profiles comes up first. <laughs> yeah. My, my like online working uh, handle is Cheddar Fuzz. Mm -hmm, so I, that's mm -hmm. usually for everything. Like my Instagram, my Twitter, my, my Facebook is my name, obviously. Um, yeah. So like if it's Cheddar Fuzz, chances are it's me. Because right, no cool. one else has that handle. <laughs> so Cheddar Fuzz on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for being here, Jessica. Yeah, for sure. It was good. <laughs> Yay. Well, that was awesome. What yeah. uh, What a great conversation. Right. Yeah. Um, and so definitely check uh, check her out on all of these social media profiles she, that where she lives. Yeah, she's super fun. I, I, I didn't mention it, uh, but when she started on Heartland, I was the trainee production coordinator. Mm. So I was in charge. Anytime a new person came to the show, I had to make sure they were on the list for the call sheets and all that stuff. So that's when I first heard about her. And I, uh, yeah, yeah. So she's, that was a while back now. She's yeah. done, done, done very well for yeah, herself. I'm surprised in a very that she short was, time. yeah, 25. And she's so young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she's not 30 like some of us. <laughs> um, so uh, back to the news you can use uh, the real diverse five day workshop. So if you're from 18 to 25 years old, 
And if you have a powerful story to tell about diversity, get in touch um, at info at realdiverse.com, real being R-E-E-L, um, with a 30 to 60 second video clip on your story and why you really want to join a five-day workshop happening in March. Uh, the workshop will take place at the Alberta College of Art and Design in Calgary over three weekends in March, and it's free for those filmmakers who are accepted. It is free to apply, but you must do so by midnight tonight, February 15th. Wow. I heard about this. I was like, five days free, but I didn't see that it's, you got you to gotta work your way it's in. competitive, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, tonight's the deadline. And also speaking of today is the deadline. Uh, the SAIT Film and Video Programs deadline is today, which is February 15th. So uh, if you haven't started your application, it's probably too late to start now, but uh, definitely get it in if you're planning to attend. How can this be? Because I know that there's people who have already been waitlisted. Yeah, well, they do it in sections now is my understanding, right? right. So there are, I think they do like, I don't know how many seats there are, but it's like a, a chunk gets accepted and the rest get denied and then another chunk gets accepted and the rest get denied. Okay. I don't know how exactly it works, but it sounds like it, it happens in phases. Okay. Yeah. Weirdos. But this um, is the last, this last, is the last, deadline. last, last. Yeah. So if you haven't done it yet, um, you should probably uh, never apply for a grant. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, the Telephone Microbudget, speaking of grants, um, the Microbudget Production Program uh, is open um, and you can apply through FAVA or CSIF or if you're an NSI alumnus, you can apply through them. Um, you can ask for up $227,500 from Telefilm to make a micro budget feature film with a budget of no greater than $250,000. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're an Edmonton or, or a FAVA member, you can also apply through them. Yeah. Um, and they have access to the Aboriginal stream as well, mm -hmm. which CSIF does not. So new this year is a, a digital component mm -hmm. um, to the micro budget program. So you can apply with a feature film or uh, a web based film uh, that can even be split up into chunks of of 10 minutes um yep. so definitely check it out and uh put your application together and uh get it in awesome um i am just scrolling down here to the spring member screening call for submissions from the csif uh the programming committee at csif is looking for some uh some member screening content so they're looking for for members who have uh some films that might want to uh do a talk about and and screen them uh it's going to be happening in may of 2016 and it i guess it happens twice a year is that right yeah i think yeah. so yeah um you got you've got to be a current associate or production member in good standing in order to submit and films of any length and genre are are uh, accepted and submission is submissions are due april 5th i talk words check the link for you, some for a more eloquent explanation of what the heck i just said you are the worst <laughs> um but you did say I'm april 30 5th. now yeah i, I don't care you're losing it man. <laughs> um you said april 5th clearly which is also a submission deadline for uh something called summer nights mm. so csaf and truck contemporary art in calgary are seeking proposals for short films uh 15 minutes or less um, about the theme summer nights uh, it's mm. not genre specific summer nights invites emerging or professional independent filmmakers artists writers comedians curators architects musicians and creators to submit film about those long hot nights we enjoy so much mm. whether it's rom-com or horror experimental or comedic silent or loud we want to see it so check that out at csif.org uh, we'll have the link to that in the show notes as well cool uh, upcoming events particle and wave 2.5 fundraiser for m media um, at uh, m media production gallery on friday february 19th so that's this friday uh, from 7 to 11 p.m uh, come on down and uh, and help support m media tickets are 20 dollars plus gst at the door or you can buy early uh, for only 15 dollars they've got door prizes a silent auction uh, some great conversation and media art performances including a performance by halifax artist lisa lipton mm. among others nice. what else is going on 
Uh, I'm just looking for the date. It is February 28th at 5 p.m. It's the uh, red carpet affair for uh, the CIFF Oscar party, uh, which is also going to be raising funds for uh, the Calgary International Film Festival. Um, proceeds from the event help raise funds toward enhancing programming for the Calgary International Film Festival uh, year-round and uh, helps to develop the youth film program and invest in lo- local talent. Uh, it's already 70% sold out, so get your tickets uh, which includes food, a drink ticket, and a swag bag. And, of course, you're going to get to watch the Oscars with fancy people in fancy clothes. Um, That's got to be a weird event, man. Watching, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine watching the Oscars with a bunch of filmmakers? Yeah. That'd yeah, be the worst. I, I, <laughs> that would be. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so, anyway, go to this event, uh, and the link is in our uh, show notes. You should go to it. I, I, I'm being an idiot. Yeah, it seems fun. But uh, I will not be going because I have a, an Oscar pool oh. with uh, Briar and her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, I, I literally did just as well as if I had guessed randomly who was going to win. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm pretty terrible sometimes. Huh. Um, I, I couldn't remember if you sucked or if you won it. Sometimes I, yeah. I win it. Sometimes <laughs> right. I'm, I'm great. Last year, I really sucked. Uh, so this year, I'm hoping to hit the middle ground there. Right. Um, upcoming screenings uh, the Exposure Film Series Exposure Photography Festival is proud to present its annual film series focused on the art and politics of photography upcoming screenings are Wednesday the 17th that's this Wednesday uh, and the 24th uh, at the Glenbow Museum details about the films are in the show notes The Smalls Forever is a Long Time if you missed it uh, at the world premiere at CIFF's Calgary International Film Festival, uh, sold out closing gala, The Smalls Forever is a Long Time, has a week-long run at the Globe Cinema in Calgary from February 19th to 24th in 2016. It's a film directed by Trevor Smith and produced by Crow's Nest Films, and it is all about the uh, to- reunion tour of an iconic Alberta band called The Smalls. Uh, in addition to the Calgary theatrical run, the doc has upcoming screenings all across Canada. So be sure to check out thesmallsmovie.com for more information on that. Advanced tickets to the 24th annual $100 Film Festival are available now at the CSAF office uh, or over the phone. Tickets are 12 bucks for regular price and $10 for members, seniors, and students. Uh, the festival takes place February 25th to 28th at the Engineered Air Theater. So you can check that out at $100filmfestival.org. Which is a nice website. Is it? I must say. Yeah. I've been. I like it. I like the, the logo this year, actually. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it's cool pretty too. groovy. Yeah. Uh, over in Edmonton, Fava, the main course workshop is, uh, of course, something we've talked about a few times. It starts up on February 20th. Um, it's that same uh, workshop that you're going to need the previous uh, video kitchen course in order to attend. But uh, once you have that, you can join the main course, uh, which takes you from start to finish uh, of making your own film. Um, and you'll get to make a short film from pre-production through to completion. Um, you'll decide whether to shoot on uh, film or video and learn all kinds of different fun, more advanced things. Right. Um, and you can check out more information on that at uh, fava.ca. So we've started hearing from some filmmakers who got waitlisted um, trying to get into SATE yeah. this year. Um, and then we talked last week about doing a, a podcast on what to do yes, with yes. How, to, how to become a filmmaker without schooling which mm-hmm. is a totally viable option just as for much sure. as schooling is sure. um, but this is a great way to get started is to uh take that take those workshops mm-hmm. with fava if you're mm-hmm. up at Edmonton. um and if you liked listening to cheska today and you're thinking about getting into lighting and gaffing uh m media in calgary is holding a lighting fundamentals workshop on saturday february 20th that's this saturday from 10 a.m to 4 p.m in this course richard cleveland will walk you through everything to do with video lighting from start to finish 
He'll help you create scenes that are more flattering, more marketable, and more creative. It's 85 bucks, and it's designed for beginner to intermediate filmmakers who want to improve their knowledge of lighting. To register, contact Bryce at production at mmedia.ca or check out the link in the show notes. So we talked a lot about what's not shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is in our what's shooting list? <laughs> the only thing is, uh, well, there are two things, actually. You're right. Uh, Winona Earp is wrapped. Oh, so it's not shooting, I guess, anymore, but it wrapped on Friday, which is secretly today. Yes. So if you're listening to this on Monday, it's all done. Um, But we do have one more shoot coming up, it looks like, right? Yeah, it's a feature film called The Salutrian, um, which uh, I didn't know much about. Um, But Briar spotted this thing uh, in the DGC's list, something coming in April. So it's a survival tale set in the Ice Age uh, 20,000 years ago when we begin filming some of their uh, some of the movie in Alberta starting on April 1st. It's being directed by Albert Hughes, who also directed films such as The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington and From Hell with Johnny Depp. It'll be shot in 3D and it sounds kind of similar to Apocalypto or even The Revenant to an extent, mm. uh, except, of course, with cavemen instead of um, Leo crying and, and blubbering <laughs> right. and getting spit all over himself. Those job calls, uh, the jobs at the Banff Center are still available to apply for. Uh, there's an animation and design practicum, an audio engineer practicum, and a photography practicum. Uh, so you're going to be able to uh, find out more information about those on MediaJobSearchCanada.com, but the links to those specific practicums are in the show notes. And we talked about this last week, but uh, Six Degrees is uh, in Calgary is hiring a full-time producer and studio manager. Uh, if you don't know who Six Degrees is, I think we're probably going to have them on the show within the next month. Um, they're a, a great uh, production facility in, in Calgary, um, mm-hmm. just right next to Brewster's uh, downtown yeah. on, on 11th. Um, so they're hiring a full-time producer and studio manager. Duels, uh, duties will include production management, uh, client management, budgeting, talent coordination. Uh, great company to work for. And there's a link to that job call in the show notes. Nice. So what do you recommend this week, Matt? So I have been working on a little secret project. Uh, we, we both have. Um, I guess it's not a secret, but we, we're not quite ready to announce everything just yet. But uh, it is a feature film. And um, reading feature films um, for me is hard to do. I like to, I, I, I like to read on paper. And I don't really have the ability to print you know, 100 pages of, of a script. Um, so I've discovered this cool app called Table Read. And Table Read allows you to upload a script or, or, or load a script into the application and then select your uh, the voices for each of the characters, uh, the a voice for reading the directions, and it knows it's a script, so it doesn't really get hung up on some of the formatting. Because oh, it, sweet. It, yeah, it, it knows how to read that. How, um, how, are, the, how are the voices? The are voices against- are like... I mean, you, you recognize some of the voices from like Apple computer back in like 99. Like oh, okay. when they had, so there's some so really bad kind of ones. Robotic. Yeah. yeah. But there's some really lifelike ones as well. Um, so you so you get the opportunity to go through each of them and, and there are accents and there's a UK section and a USA section. And um, it's not a perfect app by any means. Uh, it's definitely got some weird um, uh, user experience things that aren't great, but hopefully they're going to continue working on it. It's also not free. Uh, it is three seventy five ish, I think, uh, and it's a subscription service. So obviously you don't want to keep that on, uh, all the time when you don't have scripts to read. But if you're like me and you don't like to just sit and stare at a screen for two hours trying to get through a screenplay, this is a great way to spice up that experience and, and start to see some of the things that you might see uh, when you're thinking about directing something um, and give give a voice to the character 
characters in a way that's not the same voice all the time. Um, and you can even add music, uh, which is oh, kind of cool. weird because not every scene is going to be appropriate for the same music. But um, I find it does help to keep you engaged. And and, uh, and it's like someone reading you a script and you kind of read along and it's great. It, I loved it. So it helped me out a lot. How much would you pay, hypothetically, to have someone actually like narrate a script? Like if, uh, as a recording, let's just say I'm just, just throwing this out here right now. We had the script and you you were didn't feel like reading it. Mm. What would you? How much would you pay? What would it be worth to you to have someone read it for you, put on their different voice hats, and and, right. <laughs> and email it to you and be like, "Here it is, two hours long." Like a video of them, like a, like, like an e or um, like a book book to tape okay, kind of thing, right, like just like just a, one person, like reading. a podcast. Yeah, like a podcast. Uh, the you know we had on um, the director of Ali was screaming, who said that that was what he did when he presented the script right. to to Colin, and he made a theatrical experience of it. Yeah, he had yeah. music and and. And so I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea I too. I really do. How much would I pay for it? I don't know. I think if you could put it in video form, it would be an interesting pitch material. The question is who would who would actually watch it or or uh, most people don't consume scripts that way. Um, and that's okay. But uh, for my own personal use, this was a great application. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation for the week uh, is something called uh, the lookbook video. Mm. So this was something that we just did for Synapse. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a video that explains what your film is, what the story is, who the characters are, um, and how you're going to go about making it, what your creative vision is for it. Um, and so I just went through the process of doing this and, and, uh, created this video this week. And what, what was most interesting is that I knew that all this stuff, all this information was out there in the ether in various forms, mm -hmm. but to kind of collect it all into one place, um, reminded me that I'm explaining things to people who might not necessarily make the same assumptions that I do, mm -hmm. who of course aren't in my brain and can't understand the vision that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, and this video is just a great tool um to share what your vision is for this project so this is maybe the most difficult thing about being a director is trying to Commun share your vision with other people yeah get, exactly like, even yeah like on set like moment to moment shot to shot that's the job of a director and right. you have this luxury you know since we're not on set to really create something unique and, and specific and passionate yeah and it forces you to answer questions just like any creative process does mm -hmm. whenever you're actually out doing some sort of creative out creative output you have to think about how you explain yourself and what and uh, whatnot. So I, I had already kind of all those things, like I had a director's vision document and we had a, mm -hmm. a mood reel. Yeah. So I kind of pushed all these things into one sort of product that, uh, that kind of distills the project down into six minutes. Um, but the question is, well, how do I make a video if all I've got is a script? Um, and the answer is um, a lot of people will take existing feature films and cut out scenes. Uh, I went to stock video websites and just pulled mm -hmm. um, some stock video. Um, so it's got watermarks on it and uh, it's definitely not for public consumption, but um, it was a great way to show, this is what I mean when I say that it's gonna look like this. And yeah. this is what I mean when I say that this is how it's gonna feel. And this is the song that I have envisioned that really gives me the best feeling for what this movie is gonna be. Uh, we just met with Robert Cuffley a couple weeks ago who, mm -hmm. who had created one of his own. Yeah. Um, and, and it was awesome. It was like, oh, okay, I get what your movie is without reading the script. Totally, like, totally, yeah. Yeah. So definitely a, a great tool uh, when, you're, when you've got a film in development and are trying to get it made. Mm -hmm. And using the stock footage is a really good idea too because I, you know, I think some people like to use 
footage from real movies, um, which is fine. But I think when you see a star that you recognize, it can kind of take you away and make you ask questions like, wait, is a star in this? What, what do you, what do you, so I, so it's a good idea, I think, to use uh, as much non um, real footage from real movies as possible. I think the um, watermark might be the only yeah, for sure. downside to that. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, I did the math on buying all of this <laughs> yeah, yeah. All footage that I, that I used and it was like $5,000 to make yeah. this thing. And yeah. it's just not feasible. Obviously, I need that money for, for this sure. movie. So. So. For sure. Uh, but if you can uh, afford it, uh, I mean, it certainly helps to buy it. Anyway, we've been rambling for too long, so let's wrap it up. Oh, yeah. Um, if we got something wrong or if there's info we missed or there's something that you want to share with the Alberta film community, uh, let us know. How can they find us, Matt? Uh, at abfilmcast.ca. Uh, they can reach us at hello at abfilmcast.ca. And we are on Twitter and Facebook, abfilmcast those as well yeah and check us out soundcloud ab filmcast as well um and give us those sweet sweet five star ratings yeah. on itunes because we were 60th um in the top of all number 60 film and movie podcasts. Movie, yeah, yeah right. so we're, we're out of the new and noteworthy um yeah. but we're playing with the big boys now and uh just i don't know how this has happened i don't know how we're even <laughs> i can't imagine we're above 1000th yeah it's uh, crazy yeah thanks for listening everybody and uh for sure i'm at matt waterworth on twitter uh, and i'm at s westby yeah. on twitter as well and go make something. Make something.